Hello and welcome to the Moral and Religious OCD podcast. This episode discusses the topic of self-esteem as it relates to moral and religious scrupulosity. Our guest in this episode is Dottie Detour. She was born in Greensboro, North Carolina, where she was raised by her parents along with her five siblings. She grew up Catholic and was homeschooled throughout her pre-college education. Dottie was actually a police officer for several years and made a career change to psychology starting in 2016. Currently, Dottie is a doctoral student in the health psychology program at East Carolina University. She is working on finishing her dissertation, which discusses the relationship between OCD and trauma symptomatology. It's a big word. Dottie also works with children with autism spectrum disorder, doing assessments and behavior therapy. She's passionate about sharing her experiences with OCD as a young child, adolescent, and young adult, as well as working towards more understanding of OCD and reducing stigma around mental health disorders. Our disclaimer, please note that every effort is made to ensure the information provided in the podcast is accurate. It should not be assumed that everything said is completely objective. In other words, sometimes mistakes happen. What we say should not be taken as medical advice nor therapy. It is meant only for educational purposes. Please consult with a qualified healthcare professional for your individual care. If you have any comments or suggestions, please email those to moralocd at gmail.com. Alrighty, I hope you enjoy this conversation. Dottie, thanks so much for being on the show. Oh, yeah, I'm happy to be here. Thank you for asking me to be on. Of course. Um, yeah, I'm glad we found a time to do this. Um, I think summer is a really busy time for a lot of folks. Um, so it makes sense just how busy we've been, but I'm glad um, we sort of made it work. Yeah, me too. Um, yeah, I was just wondering if you can start by uh, maybe introducing yourself and telling listeners what you do. Yeah. Um, so my name is Dottie Detour. Um, and, you know, I appreciate you asking me on the show because OCD is something that is very like personal to me. Um, and kind of like the path that my life is on now is very much driven by the experiences that I have had with OCD. Um, so just some about myself, um, I have struggled with OCD since I was about like six or seven years old, um, all very like religion centered um, were my symptoms. Mm -hmm. So I'm really passionate about like sharing my experiences um, because I feel like it kind of helps tackle the stigma that's out there. Um, and also I feel like maybe it can help give others hope um, because I, you know, I remember when my life was in a really dark place and uh, the the place that I'm at right now, my life has really evolved in ways that I never really thought would be possible for me. So, um, you know, I've really seen some things happen in my life and I'm doing things now in my life that I thought maybe I would never be able to do. Mm -hmm. um, so um, uh, what I'm doing now, though, is um, I am a graduate student. I'm completing my dissertation. 
um, with East Carolina University, and um, I have my master's in school psychology, um, and um, the doctorate that I'm about to complete is health psychology with a concentration in pediatric school psychology. Um, and so right now, um, you know, I'm still finishing up that dissertation, um, which, you know, feels like a big obstacle <laughs> to tackle. Grind. Yes. Yeah. But um, I also am um, working with families with kids with autism. I'm doing like autism assessments. Um, so I'm kind of like, you know, um, kind of in two separate areas of my professional life, working um, with trying to finish the degree and also working with um, kids and families, which I really love to do also. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, thank you for sharing. Um, you think Absolutely. you've come to the point maybe where your OCD is, is mostly manageable? Um, yeah, so um, I, I'm definitely happy to share more about that experience because, like I said, like, um, I came from a place of feeling, like, very alone, um, very misunderstood, but yeah, like, at the point that I'm at in my life right now, it is very much manageable, um, and it definitely took me, you know, it took me a long time to get where I am now, um, but um, you know, with, um, therapy, medication, kind of going all in with those things, um, has really led me to feel like I've gotten like a second chance at life. Um, you know, it's hard to understand if you don't have OCD exactly how it basically just hijacks your life. Mm -hmm. Um, but I definitely know that feeling and I feel like I've, you know, taken it back. So, um, that's a really good feeling. Yeah. No, that's awesome to hear because like once you're in it, right. And in the thick of it, it's hard to imagine life being any other way or going back to what yeah. it was previously. So I'm glad, um, it's at least manageable to a, to a good degree. Um, yeah, yeah, it definitely is very hopeful for a mm -hmm. lot of people. Um, Cool. So, yeah, in this episode, we sort of decided to discuss this idea of self-esteem as it relates mm -hmm. to scrupulosity. Um, and I was wondering maybe if I can start by reading a definition of what self-esteem is. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's a term that we all kind of know what it means intuitively, but definitions, I think, are, are very helpful nonetheless. Mm -hmm. Um, so one definition says that self-esteem refers to a person's evaluation of their own worth. Mm -hmm. Self-esteem refers to a person's evaluation of their own worth. And so yeah, a question I had for you was, um, you know, to someone suffering with moral um, and religious forms of OCD, how do they typically perceive themselves? What is their self-esteem like? Yeah, um, I think that that's a really good question, especially, um, you know, in the context of my own experiences, um, you know, my, my self-esteem, my self-concept was definitely impacted. Um, 
And so um, I can't really answer so much for like, you know, other people with OCD, but, you know, I'm speaking from my own lived experience with this sure. and, um, you know, I, um, I kind of saw myself as a kid, as a very young kid, as like a really bad person. Um, and I felt like I had this really dark secret. Um, and it was kind of like this dark secret that I'm a terrible person. Um, there's no way that I will ever reach like spiritual salvation um, and, and things like that. And, um, you know, something that um that i read in in the literature through like my studies um was a term that really stood out to me um and that term is it's ego diastonic yes um and so what that means is basically that you know ocd is going to basically attack like your very core of like who you are as a person um it kind of like works against everything that you believe everything that you want in your life um and so um that's a term that when i read it i was like yikes like that makes so much sense um and it's really scary you know that there's something out there that can make you like lose that sense of yourself and like who you are and that feeling of like autonomy, who I am as a person, what I want to do with my life. Um, and yeah, I think that that is, is going to have like a huge impact on your own like self image and, you know, your feelings of worth. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think for, for a lot of people, sometimes it can be like a slow progression to that, right? It can start with a few intrusive thoughts, a few compulsions, and then eventually lead to, yeah, this feeling of being unforgivable, irredeemable, and mm -hmm. so on. Yeah, definitely. Mm -hmm. um, um, yeah, go ahead. Oh, you go ahead. Sorry. No, no. I was just going to jump in maybe to the, the other question, but. Yeah, go ahead with that. Okay, awesome. <laughs> um, yeah, so I mean, if I were to guess, um, for most people who are struggling with this kind of OCD, the the self esteem is is very low, um, mm -hmm. usually not positive. Um, so I was just wondering, yeah, what level of self esteem should we should we aim for? Yeah, I mean. Um... I think when it comes to self-esteem, especially among, you know, people with OCD, um, having come from that place myself, um, I, I don't feel like there's, there could be such a thing as like having too much self-esteem, you know? Hmm. Um, I think we are just like the hardest people on ourselves. Um, we look at ourselves through the harshest lens. Um, so, you know, I think anything that you can do to kind of like boost your self-esteem, boost that sense of self-worth is important to kind of, you know, go after. Um, I think, you know, there's a couple of things that, um, that I like that kind of tackle um, 
that self-esteem, self-worth. One of those is actually um, like a self-compassion meditation. Um, there's a lot of those like out there on YouTube. Um, but it's just basically like you're learning how to talk more kindly to yourself. Um, because, you know, as anyone with OCD knows, like, you know, the OCD talking to you is, is just like, breaking you down. So, mm -hmm. you know, learning again, how to talk kindly to yourself. Another thing is kind of like, you know, when you hear yourself being unkind to yourself, kind of thinking of how might you think about a friend uh, in a similar situation, um, a friend who's made similar choices. Um, I think it helps to kind of um, step back from who we are for a second and think, okay, how would I treat someone else in the same situation? And I think we will always find that we would treat other people better than we treat ourselves. So I think, you know, it's always something to be striving towards. Um, and I wouldn't be too concerned about going too far, like, you know, with trying to boost self-esteem and self-worth. Sure. Absolutely. Yeah. That's, you know, very ironic, right? Because as you're mentioning, there's a big disconnect between the way we treat others, right? It's typically with mm -hmm. compassion, with care, with respect. Um, yeah. But when we treat ourselves, um, it's really the opposite. And mm -hmm. there's an inconsistency there, almost like a double standard. Yeah, definitely. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think the ancient Greek philosopher Aristotle um, talked a lot about finding balance um, or the golden mean, as is often referred to. Yeah. Um, and I think he was talking more in the context of virtues and being virtuous, but I think it relates really to self-esteem. Um, so one classic example is, you know, if you want to be courageous, Aristotle would say you have to avoid the one extreme of being too rash and, you know, jumping into circumstances without thinking, um, but also avoiding the other extreme of being uh, too cowardly, right, and not confronting yeah. circumstances when we ought. And I think there's good wisdom there, and I think it applies, right? We should avoid being, um, you know, so... Uh, or perceive ourselves as so unforgivable and so irredeemable, yeah. um, but also uh, avoiding the other extreme, right? Not being, or not thinking of ourselves too highly, which as you mentioned, mm -hmm. those with <laughs> more on religious OCD, that's usually not, not a problem. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I also think it, like in Christianity and I think, um, you know, a lot of listeners might not identify as Christian, but I think a lot might as well. Um, I do. And I think just within the worldview, it kind of has that balance built into it in terms of how we ought to perceive ourselves. So on the one hand, we do have that idea that, you know, everyone is morally bankrupt, right? That we fall short of God's mm -hmm. moral standards. Um, yeah. But the other side of that is that, um, as crazy as it sounds, God in some ways loves us, right, and still cares mm -hmm. for us and 
was willing, right, to pay for the moral infractions that we have. Um, yeah. It's almost mysterious, right? Like that one psalm, which is like, um, like, what is mankind that you're mindful of them, right? Human beings mm-hmm. that you care for them. Um, yeah. But it's there, right? There's that push and pull on the one side. Yeah, we are mm-hmm. broken, but at the same time, loved by God. And that should mean something, right? That should mm-hmm. do away with the unforgivable kind of feeling. Yeah. But I think, you know, we we find every way to dismiss or look past anything positive. Um, you know, it's that anxiety that kind of gets a grip on you and you know causes us to kind of negate anything positive or comforting and to focus solely on like the things that scare us and the things that we're unsure about and uncertainty mm-hmm. yes absolutely yeah so I was wondering um you know what tips would you give to someone um who might be struggling with their self-esteem or struggling with more on religious OCD? Um, I definitely have a lot of, you know, things that have helped me in my journey. Um, I think, you know, one of the biggest things was learning more about OCD, um, learning more that, you know, I, it wasn't this big dark secret that I had. It wasn't just me that was going through this. Um, So I think in some ways it can be really important to kind of, you know, connect with resources, connect with other people in that community. Um, I think that that sense of like, you know, there's other people like me is, is really important. At the same time though, I also think it's important to kind of be careful about like, you know, if you join a support group or something like that, like to pay attention to how it's affecting you. Um, you know, sometimes, you know, I've, I've belonged to support groups before where I've been like, okay, this is like, this group is kind of triggering me lately. Mm. (laughs) Or, um, you know, there's a lot of like, sometimes there can be a lot of reassurance seeking and a lot of reassurance giving, which, you know, it's, Um, you know, that's naturally what we want as humans is to, you know, seek out comfort from other people and to give comfort to other people. But in the context of OCD, that can actually be like harmful. It can actually make symptoms more strong. So just kind of like paying attention to how those, um, those groups impact you. And I definitely have found you know, positive um, connections. Um, so I definitely think it's possible. Mm-hmm. Um, something else, um, you know, that I would say is, um, you know, self-esteem wise and suffering from like religious moral OCD is like having your kind of home base of people. Um, so for me, definitely like my husband, like he, he is been there for me through you know so much um and it's it's having like somebody that you can you know share that with and they're going to you know respect your privacy respect you um be understanding but also kind of like not enable certain things 
Um, so he's definitely been kind of like um, a really important person for me in like my recovery. Um, and at the same time, you know, I've also had, you know, negative experiences where I tried to kind of share with somebody um, and that didn't turn out great. So just kind of like knowing who you're sharing, you know, your story with, can you trust them? Are they going to be respectful and be supportive of you? Um, right. Yeah. It's easily misunderstood for sure. So there's that. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, oh, sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> no, no. I think those are great points. I haven't honestly thought of that. Um, the point you made on community. I <laughs> always thought about it, you know, as a, yeah. as a positive thing, you know, what can go wrong if you're in a support group. But I think that's yeah. certainly true. Sometimes, you know, it could be the case that yeah. just attending in some ways is kind of mm -hmm. a compulsion, right? It could be, yeah. maybe. Um, mm -hmm. But And there's there's definitely times also that I have found myself using like a support platform as just like a way to ruminate. And <laughs> I realize like, Oh, this is not helping me or anybody. Right. Um, right. So, yeah, that's true. That's true. But there are certainly positives as, as you mentioned. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, absolutely. Um, so yeah, obviously therapy would be, Oh, um, absolutely. I wouldn't be where story. I am. <laughs> I wouldn't be where I am without like therapy, medication. Um, those mm -hmm. had a huge influence on my life and my recovery. Um, and also, um, I actually did like, um, I don't know how much you know about like, you know, exposure and response prevention. I actually did like an intensive outpatient program for that oh, okay. um and that was extremely helpful right um it is definitely you know um effective and like thinking back on it now i i'm like oh my gosh that was like off the off the charts like some of the stuff that they do to help expose you to your fears it's it's kind of funny looking back um mm -hmm. but you know in the moment it's definitely um you know it's scary in that moment but it's it works it really does yeah was that done um like just you or were you part of a group for that yeah that was just individual um okay. yeah but mm -hmm. it was that was through like the university of florida um, they have a program there and I can't recommend it enough. It was great. Gotcha. Cool. Yeah. I think things might look a little different in Canada where, where I am. Yeah. Um, okay. I, I have heard of those programs that I think the one I'm familiar with, um, is all done in a communal setting, which I think. Oh, awesome. Um, yeah. I mean, it's good, but I think the individual one sounds maybe more effective and appropriate but. it was yeah it was very like individualized to you know me and my own um you know kind of um obsession compulsion areas 
So I feel like, you know, having that focus be, you know, so specific to you could probably be helpful. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And um, we've talked about this before um, in previous episodes, but can you give us um, maybe just a quick reminder on what ERP is or exposure and response prevention? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so exposure and response prevention is, um, so as anyone with OCD knows, there's like kind of those two parts to OCD, which is the obsessions, the fears, the intrusive thoughts that pop up, and then um, the compulsions that we do to kind of try to, um, you know, reduce that fear and anxiety. Um, and so exposure and response prevention is centered around, um, you know, exposure to that feared thing in some way. Um, and the way that they do it is, you know, it's skillfully done by a clinician um, where they start with like lower level exposure and they work up to something that's, you know, very stress inducing. So, but they work up slowly to it to help you build up that sense of like, I can do this. Um, it's not going to hurt me. And so it's, that's the exposure part, part of exposure and response prevention. Um, the re response prevention part is not acting on those compulsions, not doing what we would normally do to try to calm that fear and anxiety. Um, and so in exposure and response prevention, you know, that can look very different based on, you know, what your obsessions and compulsions are. Um, so I'll give you guys an example of something that um, they did for me um, when I did that treatment program. Um, one of my lower level fears was like contamination of germs. Um, and so um, the clinician actually gave me a um, a little action figure and he told me that like a kid had thrown up on it. <laughs> So, mm -hmm. <laughs> so my mission was to keep the toy in my purse and not wash my hands. <laughs> right. So, um, so it's things like that where you're exposed to this, you, you know, you have that compulsion where all you want to do is, you know, do the thing that you normally do to help while well, you feel like will help reduce the anxiety and fear, um, and slowly, so you start with those lower level things and you learn like, I can do this. Like this thing is not stressing me out as much anymore. Like this nasty action figure in my purse. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, you start to gain that sense of like, you know, control over those compulsions and that is priceless, you know? Yeah. Um, so it's very unique as a treatment but very effective and um you know yeah there's a lot of evidence behind it absolutely the gold standard for yeah for treatment it is. yeah i think to an outsider it would be described perhaps as counterintuitive because mm -hmm. instead of you know doing the natural thing i guess to like run away from your fears or, you know, if you're concerned about germs to wash, um, you're actually yeah. deliberately doing the opposite and mm -hmm. deciding yeah. not to, uh, to build 
that tolerance. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, thank you. I think yeah, one therapist no kind of used an analogy of OCD being like a, a bully. And oh, yeah. And I think, yeah, the, the example she used, which was good, is like when a bully on the playground tells you, you know, you have big hands, right? Like, look how yep. big your hands are. Um, mm-hmm. when, once we engage with the thought, then that's when the problems start, right? So you're thinking, yeah. do I have big hands? Maybe I'm going to measure my hands. I'm going to look up what the average hand size is. I'm going to ask yeah. people, do I have big hands? Are these big? Why are they so big, right? And then you start obsessing and then right doing yeah. those compulsions to kind of rid Definitely. yourself of um, – yeah, the thought that you might have. Yeah. But she was saying the, the best way to deal with that is to just kind of accept it, right? Not mm-hmm. engage with it. Okay, I have big hands. Yeah. Cool. Look at my yeah. big hands, right? Um, yeah. I'm cool with Definitely. them, you know? And mm-hmm. not sort of, yeah, exactly do those those things to try to seek out an answer. Um, yeah, for sure. And I mean, the whole like bully analogy is very helpful for me too I'm a very like I I really don't like other people trying to like push me around so um that's something that has helped me in my recovery too is um you know thinking of OCD as a bully um something that I kind of like visualize to myself sometimes if I feel that urge to like act on a compulsion check the lock you know, for a third or a fourth time, um, I kind of picture that it's like, you know, it's a bully that's like grabbing me by my arm and they're, you know, they're trying to force me to, to listen to them or do something that I don't want to do. And, um, and it helps me to just imagine I'm just going to keep walking and then they're, they're not going to be able to keep their grasp on my arm. Like I'm going to mm-hmm. walk by. So that's like a visualization that I've used a lot in my life and has been very helpful for me too. Yeah. Cool. Thank you for sharing. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I was wondering, you know, to someone who might be struggling right now with OCD and perhaps someone whose self-esteem might be very low, what words of hope would you give to them? I think that, you know, the biggest thing that I would say is if you feel like things will never change and like your life will never get any better, like I have been exactly there in my life and, and now my life is something that I never thought it could be. Um, You know, I have a job, I'm almost done with my doctorate degree. I'm, you know, I have, you know, a daughter um, and my husband that I live with, um, honestly, never saw, like, thought that a day like today would ever come. So I guess, like, you know, as dark as things may seem, you know, there is a future. There is hope. Um, you know, it. there is a way out of, out of that. Um, and so I think, you know, just really the thing that got me where I am now was really just um, finally being willing to do the things that like I, I didn't do before. Like 
going to therapy, medication, like the things that feel like, you know, a lot of us are afraid to try. Um, so, I mean, really those things turned my life around. Um, and that's, you know, from my own personal experience, um, you know, you're, it's not the end for you. There's hope. There is um, a future. So mm -hmm. I think that's the biggest thing I would share. Yeah, that's beautiful. Thank you so much for sharing. Um, oh, yeah. I'm happy to. Yeah, it's great to have an example of exactly that, that recovery is possible, right? Mm -hmm. It may not yeah. be for everyone that you'll rid yourself entirely of intrusive thoughts, but I mean, it might always be there, but certainly getting to a point where um, you can live life comfortably again is possible. Um, yeah. A great example of that. So thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Um, I think I too wanted to say something um, on the NoCD app, the community part. I mm -hmm. posted something last week or the week before um, which I think relates to this. So you would bear with me. I want to read this yeah. maybe as a, yeah. as a way to also say something. Um, here's what I wrote. Many times I have felt unforgivable, irredeemable, and so far gone that I felt I'll never enjoy life again. OCD has been mean and cruel, to say the least. While life is a constant struggle, I'm reminding myself that life should still be enjoyed, as hard and as counterintuitive that might feel. The relationships I have with my family and friends, the food that I consume every day, the sports that I play, the community that I'm a part of, all of it is a gift that life has given me. So I want to decide to enjoy the gifts that have come my way. It won't always be perfect, it won't always be easy, but I'll try my best. And you may feel right now unforgivable, irredeemable, and that you're so far gone that you'll never enjoy life again. But I'd like to say that I care for you and that I wish you all the happiness and peace for your life. Just keep going, keep on fighting, keep on striving. Enjoy this day as best you can. It's a gift. Um, I really love that. Yeah. It's been a gift having you on as well, Dottie. Um, Thank you. Is there, Thank you so much. Yeah. Is there anything else you'd like to say by way of conclusion? Um, I think that really what you said is, is a great way to wrap up. Um, I think that that was awesome. Um, very touching. Um and yeah, I, I think I would just add that, you know, as much as we feel alone, sometimes we're not alone and, you know, hanging on and fighting for recovery and healing is so worth it. Mm -hmm. um, but Absolutely. Yeah. Yes. Well, thank you again. Um, good luck on the dissertation. I'm sure we're all rooting for you um, to finish thank strong. You. Um, <laughs> thank you. And yeah, I'll just say to the listeners, as I always do, that for your sake and mine, please be good to yourselves. Thank you. Have a good Thank you. rest of your day. Bye.